Hello and welcome to episode 274 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for... 16 might achieve release through selection. I'm confused. I am your host, Julia Gulia of internet fame-podcaster, and with me as always is Rudiger Q, podcaster, aka Trevor. Hello. Hi. So, explain your acronym. It will all become clear later. Okay. Or not. <laughs> but for now, we have some news, okay? Okay, news. So, uh, some unfortunate news out of the DC movie world. Um, Warner Brothers announced that the New Gods movie that Tom King was working, wa- working on with Ava DuVernay uh, will not be moving forward at the present time. Aww. And also, the Aquaman spinoff movie, you may or may not recall this being talked about, The Trench. There was going to be a spinoff kind of horror movie oh, focusing yeah, on The Trench, yeah. also will not be moving oh, forward. Oh, bummer. So, there's... Um, sort of competing stories about the reasons for this. Um, as far as the trench seems to be concerned, the it, it's probably some combination of they're not 100% sure that the Aquaman brand is like ready for a spinoff yet, that it can, you know, sure. support a spinoff. Also, James Wan, who was not going to direct it, but was going to produce it, is busy with Aquaman 2. And so maybe they felt that, you know, they... Too said, much let's on just his take plate. that off your plate. Yeah. As far as the New Gods thing, I saw some people saying that um, because Darkseid played such a big role in Zack Snyder's Justice League that they wanted to give some space before establishing a completely dip, what would presumably be a different version in, oh, in this other movie. Okay. Um, I also heard some people say that it was that the movie was sort of shaping up to be too big for what Warner Brothers wanted it to be. Like they wanted it to be like a standalone New God story and it was maybe it was growing so large that it was, you know, right. threatening to become well, like there's... a trilogy or something and they didn't they didn't really feel maybe <laughs> no, no, maybe no. they didn't feel that the brand could withstand that or, you know, they mm-hmm. could support that yet. Anyway, so I mean, this is just more I mean the the D C movie stuff is always so variable, right? Like they announce something then it doesn't happen or right. they you know, who who so who so much so many aspects of it are up in the air. This is but this is too bad because I mean Tom King Working on a New Gods movie was, you know, was so exciting. Yeah. It seems like it's not going to happen for now, at least. They did say that if these projects do get revived later, that they're going to keep the people that are currently attached oh, to them good. attached. But, I mean, who knows? If it's 10 years from now, who knows if they'll even still want to be attached. Right. But that's too bad. Um, we got some casting news for the animated adaptation of Batman The Long Halloween, as well as some first images from it that certainly make it look like, based on the art style, that it will take place in the same new shared universe as the recent uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow movie, the new Superman origin story movie that had Martian Manhunter and Parasite in it, as well as the new Justice Society World War II movie that's coming out soon, also takes place in that same shared universe. And now, even though The Long Halloween is an adaptation of a specific comic book story, yeah. it seems like they're going to fit it. retrofit it into this new shared content, much in the same way that when they adapted um, some of the Damien stuff or specifically Hush for the previous movie universe, they adapted that into the existing, you know, Jason O'Mara into that you know, version of it. that universe. Uh-huh. Um, so given that, it's interesting who they've cast as Batman because presumably this is going to be the new Batman moving forward in multiple projects. And it's a name you're very familiar with, Jensen Ackles. <gasps> no stranger no to DC kidding. fans since he previously played Jason Red Todd Hood, in, yeah. in Under the Red Hood yeah. um, and is a big Batman fan. He's going to be Batman in this. Holy so crap, a, that's great. So presumably then if we see 
more Batman. Well, first of all, The Long Halloween is a two-part project. So he's going to be Batman in at least two movies. But then presumably, if they team him up with Superman or do a Justice League movie, it's going to be the same version of Superman, the the Darren Criss version of Superman from Man of Tomorrow and the Jensen Ackles version of Batman. Wow, that's really cool. Wow, that's so. That's really cool. The Good. cast has also got some other cool people in there. Uh, David Desmouchian continuing to appear in everything comic book related is playing. I think he's playing Calendar Man in this. Um, I'm trying to think, there were a couple of other names that I recognized, but it seems like a good cast. Who's uh, David Desmouchian? The guy that just played. We just talked about him last week. Abracadabra. Oh, um, Polka oh Dot right. Man. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. Um, unfortunately, the actress is playing Catwoman in this. She'd recorded her lines and then she passed away oh, no. at a very young age. Um, I wasn't familiar with the name, but I think she was from. She had been on Glee or something like that. So maybe you're familiar with her. Oh my gosh, is she the? Oh no, Um, the only cast member I know, she drowned. Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know. I don't know how she passed away. But I mean, unless they had multiple young female cast members that died tragically, then that's probably you're probably we're probably talking about the same person. So she recorded her. She recorded her dialogue for Catwoman, and then. I don't know if it was the last role she played or not, but, you know, right. they record these probably recorded a couple of years ago, right? Did sure. she pass away in the past couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, that's probably who we're talking oh, about then. No. So she recorded that for this and then, so she, she's playing Catwoman in this and then there's a bunch of other characters, oh, wow. but, wow. So, but Jensen Ackles will be Batman. So that's the main thing. Yep. So are you excited about that? Yeah, very. And I like the art style. Did you like the art style in the Superman Man of Tomorrow movie? Very sort of Silver age um, with thick, can you, you probably can't picture it now, right? It's probably out of sight, out of mind. But very thick lines. I remember. Very, I remember. very Kurt Swanish. It was a little. Not that that means anything to you, no, but it, it was very mean... reminiscent of Kurt Swan to me. Well, I, I hmm. they weren't as as minimalist as the Tim Burton style, but it was still you mean the Bruce it, Tim style. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> the Bruce Tim style. Well, yeah, you... but it was still sort of reminiscent of the shape. If that makes sense, I don't know. I, don't I mean, to me, to me, you, it's, it's you a, know the artist so the, well. I, I that, see very yeah. few similarities. I exactly. mean, the the Bruce Tim style was dominant for like ten or fifteen years, and it was super minimal, super yeah, angular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, Phil Barassa style that started with uh, Young Justice, and then the same basic character designs also made up the shared movie universe uh-huh. that spanned fifteen or twenty movies, um, and that was minimalist in some ways, but. With a lot more detail, a bit more realistic, not quite like the you know the thin legs and the huge upper body that the Bruce Tim style right. had. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got this style, which is even not not it's lighter, it's sort of lusher, friendlier. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean the the previous style was very the Phil Barassa style was very heavily, especially in the movie universe and the way that those characters were shaded and drawn, and even the character designs that were used were basically really tied into the New Fifty Two, and in fact outlived the New Fifty Two by yeah. a few years. This new style is you know, and similar to how the comics are sort of everything old is new again. The comics have got are bringing back all sorts of older aspects and classic aspects now, and this is very much a classic Silver Age art style. So, and and. You know, you you saw from watching the Man of Tomorrow movie that it, it's definitely a lighter, brighter version mm-hmm. than the previous Jerry O'Connell version was. Which, even though we saw him mostly in team up movies, right? You know, those those movies were dark and had a lot of blood and violence and cursing and so mm-hmm. on, right? Um, whereas this did not. So, I think that I think that that's just the trend of this, and so that art style is going along. I'd have to look and see who the who the character designer for these movies are because it is a very striking different style that is very evocative of a specific period in the comics from like 60 years ago and it's curious that they chose to go with that as their new 
you know, flagship design language for these movies. But yeah, but I mean, The Long Halloween was a fantastic story by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It was either 12 or 13 issues. Um, I think it was 12, one for every month. Mm-hmm. Um, it spanned a year yeah, and it told did. the story of this year. Have you? I did f- read it. You read The Long yeah, Halloween? I didn't I did. know that. You'd only read like three comics before we met. And it was that, well, I that guess was that was one, one of, them. of them, right? It was very good. It was that, what was that? Like That Kingdom Come and Watchmen were the three that you'd read? Or had you not read Kingdom Come? I, I read gave Kingdom King- Come. I gave you my mm-hmm. copy of Kingdom Come, but I don't know if you, I, yeah. So were those I like reread the three, it with were you. Were those like the three comics that you had read? Yes. Yeah. So you read The Long Halloween. I didn't know that. Do you remember anything about I it? I do. Okay. I remember, uh, I don't remember if this was early. This is what I was going to ask you because it's jogging in my memory. But I'm like, was this one of Batman's first cases in the comics? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, retroactively. I mean, right. it was. it's a relatively modern story. It came out in the 90s, I want to say. Um, but it, but it was essentially much in the same way that Batman Year One came out in the late eighties sure. and was retelling his the story of his earliest days. Right, right. The uh, the Long Halloween was kind of like the He's rest. Of, it's like the, the rest of Year One. Like yeah. it basically picks up where Year One ends and tells the story of the rest of his first year. So he's still rather new at it. Yeah, and, Harvey yeah, Dent is still the district attorney, mm-hmm. and, and then they did a sequel called Dark Victory, which was basically Year Two that introduced Robin and some other aspects. Ah, uh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is basically a mystery that spanned a, an entire year, yep. and every month there would be a new crime coinciding with a holiday in that month, and there'd be the, the this killer was mm-hmm. called Holiday, and you know it's this mystery that. Mm-hmm. And all the bunch of suspects, the Falcone good. crime family was very prominent in this, and Harvey Dent and his wife played a big role. And Commissioner Gordon is not commissioner yet, and you've got young Batman trying to figure it out. And it's yeah, it was a very very good story. It's probably one of the best t- top ten best Batman stories. Yeah, it's um, very good. so it's exciting that they're doing it for this, and they're giving it the room to breathe by making it two movies, like they did with um, Dark Knight Returns. That's smart. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's the, probably the one of the only other Batman stories that deserves that same equal treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hush I was also 12 issues, but Hush good. had a lot more filler in there, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like, I don't think Hush really suffered as much from being reduced to yeah. an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I just remember that the art was very, very good, too. Yeah, Tim Sale has a very distinctive and art style. And the ending was very, very impactful, mostly because of the art. I don't know. I don't want to spoil any ending. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit, it is a little too bad that they're not really even trying to evoke much in the same way that they oh, they yeah. evoked Darwin uh-huh. Cook's art style with New Frontier and and they some of the other projects that were based on specific styles from the comics they're not even trying here because they're going with the new like we talked about the new house style of this shared universe so it sure. doesn't look anything like Tim Sale stuff at all it's still a very compelling but, story yeah yeah so should we move on to our comics of the week yep ready. what was your comic of the week I can't remember what you picked Future you? State Superman versus Imperious Lex number three yes I did we're that back. was we're, so satisfying one last one last dip into the future state pool yep unexpectedly so we thought yep. we thought all the future state stuff was over it turns out there was one last yeah. one last issue because the last issue was a very it good ending like it seemed issue, like an ending you know? but then it said to be continued mm-hmm. and i'm like but where but a bunch of the future state <laughs> stuff said to be continued because it's going to it's setting up stuff for the present day like the black sure. adam stuff right. or the midnighter stuff so we thought well, so maybe this also but <laughs> yeah. i couldn't really see how but nope and they had a third issue so um, in this issue, you see the fallout of... of I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you think Mark Russell feels about Trump? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious I think to anybody who reads really comment. if you squint really hard, you might be able to figure it out. If you squint, <laughs> I think you need sunglasses for <laughs> for the effect glaring at you. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's very, very good. I, um, 
I really love the political allegory, obviously. I love the tie-ins to that. But I think my favorite sentence but in honey, this... But honey, comics aren't supposed to be political. Didn't you know that? <laughs> comics have never been political they're until... They're so right... fluffy. It's and not so like the they're, very they're first... They're like candy. It's they're not... like brain candy. It's not like the very first Superman stories dealt with unfair working conditions and, and, no. and, and poor living conditions and capital punishment and mm -hmm. spousal abuse. Nope. No, <laughs> the not comics at all. have never been political until the, this past election cycle. Exactly. Didn't you know that? Oh, I, I didn't. But thank you for the education. Okay, just want to make sure yeah. we were on the same page. <laughs> um, I think my favorite line was when they were discussing in the very beginning of the issue. They were discussing um, what is going to happen to the people on the planet, um, and Lois is sticking up for the people and reminding everybody that although they are siding with Lex, who is a, a tyrant and a horrible, 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 sad sack of a human human being. Um, he, uh, the people don't deserve to suffer. So in that same conversation, there's an alien that pipes up kind and with the best line I've, I've read in a long time, which was, well, the thing it's so rare that a person gets at once what they want and what they deserve. Oh, I thought oh, you were going to say, uh, I thought you were going to say the other thing, which is that, well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I like that one. What spoke to you versus what spoke to me. Yeah, what'd you but say? Uh, I mean, I like that line too, but, but one of them, I think it was the Thanagarian said, you know, oh, look at their, they're still, they're still clinging to Luther and they attacked yeah. you. They killed our, our, like expeditionary yep. force they almost killed you and your wife they don't deserve your mercy right and superman says no one deserves mercy that's, that's what why makes it's it mercy, mercy. Yeah, yeah that was a good one too yeah i mean that's a superman uh, line and tough. are you kidding of course that's a, and the art on that picture too he's sad when he delivers that line he's not judgmental he's just stating a sad truth i love gray at the temples Ugh. like kingdom come style yeah superman like <laughs> I think Superman really benefits from looking older and weathered, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, Alex Ross talked about that a lot in his design documents for Kingdom Come. He said, like, there's something about seeing an older, like, 50-something Superman with gray at the temples uh -huh. that just feels right because he's the originator, right? It feels right that he should have a certain amount of, you know, maturity and age. Yeah. That, yeah. that even that his peers don't necessarily benefit from as much. It just feels something just feels right about making him the elder statesman, you know, mm -hmm. in the way mm -hmm. that the comics are always trying to keep him younger ish. Right. Although you're losing that now somewhat by giving him a 10 year old son and a, you know, a marriage and sure, a all this other stuff, yeah. right? So he's mm -hmm. got to be at least in his mid to late 30s by this point. Potentially 40s, um, probably. <laughs> he's probably about our age, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, and yeah, it was a great. So I picked this one also. Oh, um, nice choice. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a great wrap up to this. It was a great three part story. I like I like the idea that each when you look back at it structurally, mm -hmm. each issue was like a separate. It's kind of self contained because each issue is yeah. a separate trip Superman makes to Lexor. Yeah, that's true. Right, like yeah. they go there to mm -hmm. offer membership in the United Planets, and then they go and they forget why they, why they go there in the second one. Well, he goes there to fight. He goes there to fight the um, the robots. I guess in the first issue, right? And then he yes. goes there to offer United Planets membership, and then they yep. refuse. And then he goes back again in the end to help the people right, right exactly yeah yes. so it's kind of got this three-act structure to it that yep. i think is, is and i love nice. that um lex's own betrayal against the little robot that he made and he created to be full of love and loyalty to him that his betrayal and selling that robot up creek um for his own political gains came back to bit, bite him in well, that's, the butt. Well, that's the whole moral. So that's one of the morals of the story, yeah. right, is that these these megalomaniacs and despots, they 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 gather all this power and they clutch it so tightly that it, it just it can't help but just collapse at the end because you can't. It's just not sustainable. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but no, it's all just... All the things that you've done come home to roost mm -hmm. eventually. The people yeah. you've screwed over, either directly or indirectly, yep. it all just comes back, comes back to you. You know yep. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
No, it was a great it was a great story. I mean, this is this is probably one of my favorite Superman stories of the past five or ten years. I'd say this is right up, maybe not quite up there with Tom King's Up in the Sky. Yeah, um, I was about to but remind it's up there. You. <laughs> it would be maybe like it's you know, up there. It would be yeah. behind that probably. I mean, there's been a bunch of great Superman stuff over the past ten years, but this would be this is pretty singular just because of its its setting and its tone mm-hmm. and its very you know its very specific goal. Like it has a very specific message. You know what I mean? Up yep. in the Sky had a very specific message too. It was a bit more. You know, it went down a little easier than this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't making pointed political commentary. It was basically like the the moral of Superman up in the sky is Superman is the best and will always succeed. Right? <laughs> it's basically the moral. But it's, mm, yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah. It's sort of like a travelogue where you just get to see how he's going to how he's you Progress. know he's going to win, but how will he win this time? Right, basically. right, yeah. Which is not everybody's cup of tea as far as a Superman, and that's not sustainable for you know for everything for a, a regular monthly series. But it's a self-contained project that's only exactly. you know, the equivalent of five or six issues that can work. Yep. Yeah. No, it was a really great. It was a really great story. Hmm. Um, so should we move on to your activity? I'm ready. So this week we have a bit of a, a bit of an unusual activity. So okay. it's kind of a news item, kind of an activity. So DC announced this week sixteen new potential projects, uh-huh. and they're letting fans vote on which one will happen. So far, all they've announced are the titles and a little plot blurb for each one. As the voting continues and it gets whittled down, they're going to release more information like preliminary art, creative teams that uh-huh. are attached to them. But so far, all we have are the 16 titles and the 16 blurbs. Okay. So I thought I would read you the 16 titles and blurbs, and you can pick maybe the top three yep. that you would like to see happen. Okay. Even though so far, all we've been told is that only one will happen, I have to imagine that you know they're probably going to want to throw the fans a bone and maybe they'll do like... They'll surprise everybody and say the top two or three. Okay? All right. And as a bonus, as I read these in the order they are listed on the webpage, I want you to stop me when you feel like you figured out which one I would vote for. Okay. 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 So that's your that's your bonus activity for, for extra credit. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read these now. Okay. So number okay. one, Green Lantern's Underworld on Fire. A deadly outfit of space outlaws are raising the intergalactic underworld sector by sector under the command of a disruptive new kingpin in search of an ancient payday worth becoming the target of every power player in the galaxy, including Sinestro. Green Lantern's Kyle Rayner and Kilowog are put on the case, but will Kyle be able to do this one by the book when he finds out who's behind it all? Ooh. Should I keep going? I think you might pick that one. <laughs> so I thought Kyle Rayner. The, the gag was going to be: I get halfway through the first blurb, and you're like Green Lantern, Kyle, Kyle Rayner, Rayner. And that's the one. That's yes, it. you would be correct. Yes. Um, okay. Some of these are pretty bizarre. <laughs> Etta Candy, Holiday Hero Incorporated. On summer break from Holiday College, an, ac- an accident grants Etta Candy her very own superpowers. <laughs> Taking on the new superhero mantle of Candy Stripe, Etta joins forces with Wonder Woman, Amanda Waller, and her Beta Lambda sorority sisters to create Holiday Hero Incorporated, an all-girls agency sworn to protect and assist anyone in need. Woo-woo. <laughs> the Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush. Ambush Bug must team up with some of DC's greatest heroes to survive an attack by revenge-seeking Ambush Bugs from across the multiverse who never got to exist thanks to AB's refusal to be rebooted. Huh. Zatanna and the King of Nightmares. Something is terribly wrong with Zatanna's powers, but before she can heal herself, she is forced to confront her worst fears in a strange new spiritual realm ruled by the terrifying otherworldly foe known as the King of Nightmares. Ooh, I would watch the hell out of that. Well, these are comics, not... TV series. So, you know, comics. Yeah. I would read the hell out of that. that Lo- that's a good one. Lobo and Animal Man Scorched Earth. Lobo. The name makes entire alien races collectively wet themselves with fear. The main man is proudly hyperviolent, arrogant, loud, stubborn, impatient, and ill-tempered. The best thing about him is that after he completes his contract, he leaves. Until now. Ooh. 
Son of the Creeper, an awkward teenager's life is turned upside down when he inherits his dad's chaotic powers. With his family in danger, Kieran Miller must save a father he doesn't know from the monster he's become. Ooh. Okay. Justice League Queer. Eight young queer heroes investigate a series of monstrous manifestations around the world and discover that, that's, and discover that something much more terrifying is coming. Robins. In the Bloodhaven apartment of Dick Grayson, a group of young people meets for coffee, donuts, and kvetching between long, awkward silences. The only thing they have in common? All were once kid wonders. Sidekicks to Batman. Robins. Hmm. Paws off the Justice League. When the Justice League disappears, Jimmy Olsen and the Super Pets must save the world from certain doom by posing as the missing League. Oh, Lord. Jesse Quick Control. When Jesse Quick uses her speed to access an alien artifact from a long-dead civilization, she finds herself imbued with the ability to harness and control the elements around her as her former super speed is drained. Ooh. But when the power begins to corrupt Jesse, she must decide to give up these gifts or risk becoming quite literally her own worst enemy. Blue Beetle Graduation Day. Trapped between heroics and his future, Jaime Reyes is directionless. When the Reach interrupt Jaime's high school graduation, things only get worse. Starfire becomes a new mentor to Blue Beetle, but is it Jaime or the Scarab that's really in the driver's seat? And why hasn't Jaime applied to any colleges? Nightrunner Love in Paris. All of Paris is obsessed with an intoxicating virtual songstress whose holographic stage shows are lighting up the city of love. But when the voc Vocaloid Ingenue's fans start to disappear, Nightrunner must track down the infamous developer behind this eerily realistic celebrity AI. Ooh. Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets. When love will not die, the dead must rise from the grave to kill it. Louisiana, 1905. Caught in an eternal triangle of love and living death, the monstrous Alex Olson, his widow Linda, and his undead rival Damien vie for control of the cursed swamp where life, death, the past, and the future spiral into one never-ending nightmare. Suicide Squad 7. Harley Quinn leads a team of criminals, a millionaire adventurer, a stage magician, a sugar-obsessed serial killer, a delusional former superhero, a drunk assassin, a mute metahuman, and a child who becomes a monster to stop the centuries-old Church of Blood from trying to destroy all of humankind. Asteria, the last Amazon. An immortal Amazon Amazonian champion returns to man's world to discover her and the Amazon's sacrifice now forgotten. Whoa. A new breed of hero seeking power, glory, and dominance, and the secret family she left behind offering one last chance at redemption. And then lastly, Superman and Lois, Ignition. Our solar system is a machine, and its purpose is to trap and kill Superman. The sun is darkening, Mars's orbit is changing, and a mysterious citadel in Jupiter's great red eye has awoken. It is time for Kal-El to stand against the very end of his world, but he won't be doing it alone. Lois Lane is suited up and blasting off to get the biggest story in human history, and to watch Clark's back as he faces his greatest challenge yet. Facing ancient aliens and planet-sized machines, trickster asteroids, and the giga-krakens of Neptune, Superman and Lois will fight across all nine planets to prevent Earth's dark destiny and save our future. Ooh. So, let me just... Read the, read the titles again, and then you can pick your three. Green Lanterns Under... Is that 16? I feel like that... Don't, yeah, I guess that was 16. Uh, Green Lanterns Underworld on Fire, Etta Candy, Holiday Hero Incorporated, The Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush, Zatanna and the King of Nightmares, Lobo and Animal Man, Scorched Earth, Son of the Creeper, Justice League Queer, Robins, Paws Off the Justice League, Jesse Quick Control, Blue Beetle Graduation Day, Night Runner, Love in Pala Paris, <laughs> Love in a Palace, Love in Paris, Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets, Suicide Squad 7, Asteria, The Last Amazon, and Superman and Lois Ignition. I have to vote for, um, I'm going to vote for Asteria, The Last Amazon, The Suicide Squad 1, and where is it? Hang on a second. Zatanna and The King of Nightmares. Those hmm. are my three. So 
I was looking at the Suicide Squad and trying to figure out who some of these people would be. A stage magician obviously implies Zatanna. A millionaire adventurer could be a lot of people. Green Arrow, or like it could be anybody. A sugar-obsessed serial killer. Is that um, is that Condiment King? Is that who that's going to be? Or Sugar-obsessed? No, that's not sugar-obsessed. Who's sugar-obsessed then? I think it's a new creation. I mean, for example, the child who becomes a monster. That's Stanley and his monster. That's who that is. That's definitely who that is. Or a child. Oh, no, not really a child who becomes a monster. He's a kid who has a monster. Right. Hmm. Yeah, you see, it's a mute it's not metahuman. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think any of these are new characters. I think that I think the the I think the um, the fun thing here is seeing her assemble like this oddball crew of of, of yeah. obscure heroes and villains. I just can't really figure who some of them are going to be. Definitely want to see this. Um, yeah, I mean, some of them sound a little generic to me. The Superman one sounds a little generic. Son of the Creeper, okay. Zatanna, the King of Nightmares. Zatanna facing her fears. I feel like we see Zatanna face her fears a lot. Um, I'd say maybe the Green for me the Green Lanterns one just because Kyle Rayner is yep. in it. Um, Justice League queer sounds like a really cool idea. We've, there's for me, I think that it's too thin. I think that they should do better. I like well, the blurb I, is just like there's going to be eight right. young queer characters. Yeah. It doesn't really say anything about the plot, but just the, right. Just, but uh, everything else is saying stuff. I about agree. The plot I, to kind of hook I agree, you in. but I think that I think it's I think the idea of having a team that's made up of nothing but. Well, I think you know, non-straight characters is, I a, is agree, a cool idea. I agree, but that can't be the hook. You know, that can't be... Well, that's the hook. It doesn't mean there isn't also going to be a good story with it. But the hook is... It doesn't really matter what the it plot just be is. Nice. The like, hook is... As I said, the other know. ones all have like an interesting, compelling, very specific, thought-out story. Where, versus this is like, hey, we got eight queer kids. Like... Uh, read about that yeah but i mean what's the hook for teen titans they're teenagers right like sometimes the the it's as simple as that sometimes the elevator pitch is just let's find a bunch of characters that have this one superficial thing in common and put them together and see what makes them different right like that's just sometimes that is the hook right but i mean that's kind of a not fair example because for example the suicide squad one look at that that's a that's a ragtag group of whatever and they go in that's that's different but i'm just saying sometimes the concept the robins thing is the same thing here's a bunch of people they have one thing in common they all used to be robins and let's just put them together and have watch them bounce off each other like that's yeah you know people have been asking for a robins series for a long time because every time you sure. see them all get together it's always great right because they're yeah. always like ribbing well, each other on and who, who writes it but yes I, yes I, I it would agree. something like that would be high well a lot of these i mean pretty much obviously anything is dependent upon the people that work on it but that's i agree true. with you that's a that's something that could either be really bland or really great if somebody awesome is yeah. writing it yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. but people have been have been asking for a robin's series that's basically just all of them teaming up every month forever right Hmm. Plus, it would give spotlight to characters, you know, like Tim Drake isn't getting a lot of play these days, no, right? Neither yeah. is Stephanie or whatever. Like this, this, this would give a place for those characters to live. Yep. So I'd have to say probably the, the Kyle Rayner one, Justice League Queer and Robins. Those would probably be my pick. Okay. Um, but pretty much all of these sound sound at least interesting yeah. for like a fun for like a mini series project. I mean, agreed. Knight Runner. Nobody's seen Knight Runner in a long time. He's basically he's like the Batman of France. Oh. <laughs> he's like a par, he's like a parkour Batman who operates out of France. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. very cool. Grant Morrison created him for uh, for the whole Batman Incorporated era, where there was like a Batman in a, of, of every of nation. Of every city, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cool. That was fun. So should we move on to our shows? Ready. So we only have three shows this week. So we have the season premiere of Supergirl, and we have The Flash, and we have The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. Because um, Superman and Lois went on a brief hiatus, and Batwoman skipped a week, and Black Lightning is still... Uh, delayed until a couple I think next week actually Black Black Lightning comes back not this week but next week do we know what's going on at this point they just decided to hold the backdoor pilot episode back and just push everything back probably for maybe just for okay. schedule reasons I mean maybe they had a COVID thing and they're just like instead of having 
like 10 episodes and then a break and then the last two let's just split the season in the middle because it seems more and and the the backdoor pilot is a good place as any to break it because it's such a different thing that you're not breaking in the middle of some multi-part storyline that's because this is going to be like almost unrelated anyway with only one character we know yeah um yeah so Supergirl, this was the season premiere. This one was sort of a weird experience because this it really was, felt yeah. like it wanted to be watched one week after the last episode, which was a so year ago, true. right? Yeah, yeah. Like so for the first fifteen minutes of it, you're like, wait, what was happening and what planet are they talking about? And why are these people here? And where's this person? And like yep. what's you know what I mean? What's happening? You kind of get back into the flow eventually, but it's such an oddball. It's like your your season premiere kind of feels like the climax. Like this, it's just structurally, it's really weird. I mean, I understand that this is the hand they were dealt, but yeah. it made it sort of sort of an odd viewing experience. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I mean, it, I'm not sure I have really a lot to say about it. She gets, you know, Lex Luthor get, gets to feel like he won at the end, and then they they reverse it on him. Yep. Uh, Supergirl gets trapped in the Phantom Zone, and now it looks like Alex is going to have to step up, and the others are going to everybody's going to try to find a way to trust is reestablished between Lena and Supergirl and the rest of the team as well. Um, I think she and Brainy had some good moments too because both of them betrayed the team for different reasons yeah, and the in brain, different ways. The Brainy but stuff was good. Yeah. I liked their conversation when they were both working on the Myriad Code um, and prepping for the plan. Um, Supergirl sacrifices herself, knowing that she could very well possibly die uh, in efforts of this but sometimes you have to sacrifice the queen in order to win the chess game and so um, that's what she uh, she didn't even hesitate she's like my sacrifice saving half of the world's population easy 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 decision Um, and that's just her selfless nature and I appreciate that she didn't she got pushback from the team but I feel like it was the appropriate amount you know what I mean like they were but they all knew that there was no alternative like they were looking around for better ideas and I there feel was like no better idea at a, at a certain point though like how many times in one of these shows has the hero said there's only sure. there's only one way I have to sacrifice I myself I know and I feel like I a feel, little bit, but still. But I feel still, like they would learn. They would learn after that happens ten times that there <laughs> always ends up being another way. Yeah. So maybe don't make that your first plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I mean in this also, case, it could loses, you have also it starts to lose power for the audience That's when it's like, okay, true, this is like the tenth time. But she literally time. did like almost die, and in fact, it was leaving. Yeah, that but saved they her, always but almost die. That's how you generate uh, yeah, the drama. I know. I know. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lex checked her pulse, and she wasn't moving. Like he did kill her. Um, but it was Lena that coded some stuff into the um, into the code of that. That was very clever. I really liked that workaround because it was like she didn't have to be there hiding in the shadow waiting for the right moment. She literally just left some some code in the, um, oh God, Fortress of Solitude code to activate when it, de- it detected a certain, I don't know um, how to phrase it. Uh, condition statement <laughs> in the in the fortress and it, it generated a solar suit just well enough to power her up uh, just in the nick of time um, before death was permanent I suppose um, kind of like super Kryptonian CPR <laughs> quick shine shine the UV flashlight right there um, I like I like this episode and I oh hey we forgot to mention the Sentinel and um, Martian Manhunter stuff mm-hmm. yeah i mean she gets a she gets a name yeah it's pretty cool yeah. she was very useful in this episode like she finally got command because if you remember from last time and this is one of the things that you need to recall from memory she had she was having real trouble controlling the mind weapon that martian manhunter gave her the the wrist cuff that can generate anything that you create 
And she's like, oh, you mean like one of these? <laughs> and it generated exactly what we needed. And you could see that she was focusing to make it happen, but she did have command on it. Do you know what I mean? Like she's in that in-between stage where she's getting the hang of it, but it's obvious that she isn't like super comfortable with it yet. Do you know what I mean? Like superheroes walk in and they've got their, she's, you know, Wonder Woman's whipping around her lasso and she doesn't even have to think about it. It's effortless. It goes exactly where she wants it to. Versus a budding Amazon is still learning, is paying attention to where it flows and really, really deliberate about hurling it just so. Um, and that's exactly the phase that she's in. But she's very effective and she was very, um, she had a lot to do in this one. I appreciated that. Because she's the one without powers, you know. She has a cool weapon, but um, other than her gumption and her human grit, like, that's it. That's what she's got. She's like the Batman on the team. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. In general, I really like this episode. Mm -hmm. So, it's exciting to see what happens next, too. So, The Flash, this one was called Fear Me. So, we get Psyche here, who, for, for the first half of the episode, I had completely forgotten that Psyche was the name of the sage force I totally user in the forgot. comics so i'm like yeah. oh this is a new villain i, I vaguely recall that <laughs> i was name. like is this like, dr oh, psycho it's, it's, and it's like oh it's the sage force like i no, yeah. you know i didn't expect okay. him to roll them out so quickly so quickly yeah you know yeah. but i guess because they're doing this graphic novel approach where the first half of the season and the back half of the season like with last season are two separate threats okay um yeah. last season it was all about go getting ready for crisis in one half and then well what was it no it was it was ramsey in the first half yes uh, and then crisis and, in the second. And no, it was Ramsey and like crisis prep in the first half. And then it was um, Mirror Monarch and crisis fallout in the second half. And yeah. this, this season, presumably the first half is going to be about these new forces. And then the second half will be about something else. Yeah. And apparently. So, the, so you don't have one threat. You're stringing out for 23 episodes, which was sort of a flaw of some of the earlier seasons. The avatar of the speed force takes on Nora's body and uh, um, looks like looks like Barry Allen's mom. Um, so that's a thing. Yeah, and I and I speculated and hoped when the Speed Force was revived a couple of weeks ago that well I said like I don't want it to be this artificial thing for a while and then right. it seemed like the real one was jump started again but it's like is it fully back or is Barry yeah, just have his speed again so now it seems that. like it's fully back which yeah. is good because yeah, you want that, it, you want but that, that had kick. side effects as you can see so we'll see what was the third force do you remember? oh right the still, still force so That's they'll right. have to so if they if they don't want to bring the turtle back that I mean they could recast because Crisis gives them that opportunity they don't have to bring Aaron Douglas back. Or they could get him back. Or they could just have the still force be passed on to some new force user. They could create some new character. Right, because, you know? I mean, he's a force user, but he didn't, uh, um, he's not the avatar of it. And from what Nora just told us in the last episode at the ending, is that these guys, these Fuerza and uh, Psych, are not just force users. They are as powerful as she is. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, that is what she said, but I mean, that wasn't the way it was in the comics. And I think that might yeah. have just been like a a, an, a a poor phrasing on the writer's part because if they were as powerful as the Speed Force, then it, I think it's basically game over. I think that I think that the idea is going to be that their avatar is just like in the comics. I, I, yeah. So I think, I know that that's what she said, but I'm not sure that's really going to be borne out. I saw someone say that, uh, I think it just some random comment on, on Reddit or something, but I think I saw someone say that the Flash always is, is always really good when it leans into horror. And oh. I think that's true. Like, yeah, thinking back, some true. of the most effective moments in some of the earlier seasons were, like, during the initial Thawne reveals when he was mm -hmm. super creepy or that moment when he, like, killed Cisco. remember, yeah. before they reversed it. 
And then some of the thinker stuff had some elements of like horror in there too. Mm-hmm. And um, mind play. Well, some obviously. of the early Grodd episodes have like the well, back because they couldn't. Savitar. They didn't want to show their like the Savitar stuff. Yeah, yeah although Savitar, I wasn't really that wasn't the really the lead great up story, to the but, Savitar. No, but the ending. But, some, but then some great. of the early Grodd stuff back before they were confident enough in their CG models to show it in daylight. It was mostly yeah. but, but the, him nighttime. like stalking people in in sewers mm-hmm. and in like weird dark rooms and stuff like right. when when the flash does horror stuff it usually works pretty well and yeah. even some of the cicada stuff had like a sort of a serial killer horror bent to it, it. did didn't it? i mean yeah. when he's going up against the brightly colored supervillains or other speedsters that's one thing and the show can do that well but when it leans into like the darker stuff it actually usually does very well i think this was a pretty effective episode from a, a horror perspective also agreed yeah and yeah. we got more furthering of the whole Caitlin being split into two thing. I mean, I think yep. you could have, as soon as you see the two of them show up, you're like, oh, I, you know, you know one of them's going to want to go back together yep. and Frost isn't going to because now she finally gets to live their own life. So they're going to butt heads for a little while and then agree to basically become sisters. So I think you probably could have seen exactly where that was going to go, at least yep. as far as one episode forward before it actually happened. But, right. Yeah. But I'm sure they're going to get some fun stuff out of that too. Yep. So Falcon and Winter Soldier, this was Power Broker, this one was called. Oh. So they break, <laughs> so Bucky's like, Hypothetically, yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> what if I, what if I had broken this, uh, this Avengers destroying murderer? Yep. Out of <laughs> this rich. Yep. Well, know, he didn't know it was rich, but anyway, that came this, that came in handy later. This rich special forces trained supervillain out of prison. Yep. By like flicking someone a note and like passing someone else a card and like yeah, <laughs> yeah. and walking out of the building. Um, <laughs> so Zemo gets out. Zemo was great in this whole thing. They kind of like grafted more aspects of his comic book persona onto him here by giving him that noble lineage and the money and the purple mask and everything. And it's like it's somewhat at odds, I feel like, with how he was established in the other movie. But whatever. Like this now you finally have time to flesh him out some more. I mean, so many instances I could think of a million examples in the MCU where they establish a character in a very simple grounded way and then later on heap on more of the fantastic i mean just look at wanda right right basically she was oh you know she was experimented on by hydra and now she can she's got basically like a little red glowy telekinesis and some mind stuff right sure and then the years later they're like no she's actually this mystical predestined harbinger of magical you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. they all that all it's a retcon on top of retcon to make it more like it was in the comics okay right? yeah so and I feel like they're doing something similar here, which is fine. I mean, this is what these Disney Plus shows allow you to do is revisit some of the older sure. characters and flesh them out more. And if he was just like a special forces guy who lost his family, you've already told that story. Right. Like you need to have more about him if you're gonna bring him back here. So they add all that in and it lets him sort of be like a like a I don't know, like, like a, a jet setting Oliver Queen type where he's like great. he's like cracking wise and making like pithy comments and dancing in the club while also pushing, being like ruthless yeah, and, and like a fearsome hand to hand combatant and they get to use his they get to use his resources. It like when I, I knew Zemo was gonna be in this, but I assumed he would be, if not the villain, and who knows, he may still be the ultimate villain. Right. Like who knows if he is secretly the power broker or he's pulling the strings of the flag smashers or or he destroys the flag smashers and then they gotta fight him at the end like Agatha or whatever. Right. Who knows, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't have predicted that it. it's basically gonna become like a three way team up yeah. between Sam and Bucky and, and Zemo. With, um, four with, if you can't share and although I was gonna it seems like they kind of left her behind here but I'm assuming did, she's going to still be in well she can't episodes. leave right because as soon as she sets foot on any soil not uh, 
Oh god. Well, she I was can. almost going to say I mean, Manitoba. Z- What's the name of this island? This pirate island? Madripoor. Madripoor. Well, she yes. I mean, she can. I mean, Zemo is literally on the run. I he escaped know. prison and they're flying around with him. They could bring you know, what's one more fugitive, right? <laughs> right, yeah, um, why not? <laughs> Practice staying under the radar. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and again with her, I feel like, I don't know, I, I the stuff where they, they added more stuff to Zemo's character, I feel like, I'm not sure it 100% fits with the character before, but it works for the context of this story and it's making him more accurate to the comics and it, it all, it fits, none of it is contradictory. None of it is, none of it is contradictory to his character it's just additional information. Yes. Oh, it turns out he was also rich. Rich people can serve in the military, yep. and in some cases they're required to in certain cultures sure. and so uh, on. Right? Absolutely. But but with Sharon, I'm like I'm less I'm less a hundred percent on board with her going from like a super loyal shield agent and like dedicated, very moral and upright mm-hmm. to being like an illegal art dealer. Like yeah. I know we talked about this before. I, we talked I can about see, this I can see, I can see her I having, I can it. see her having like a dark night of the soul and doing some bad stuff to right. make ends meet. Yeah. Maybe being like a hit person or an assassin or something. It's just that dealing in art is so esoteric. It's, it's so random. Like it could be if it, art, it could be literally anything. She could be running a sports betting pool, and that would make a hundred percent. As she could be betting on horse races. Or running a legal horse doping ring, and that would make exactly as much sense. Like she has as much to do with horses as she does with paintings, right? Yeah. It could be literally anything. It's just that it was so random. It didn't seem like it came from what we, what little, admittedly, we know about her or her character. Sure. In the same way that being a gun for hire would have seemed perfectly in her wheelhouse, right? Or being like a fixer in some way. Okay. You know. Yeah. Or, or even like a crime boss would seem like yeah, it's it's. It's kind of her skill set because she shoots people, yeah, and she has to be smart and strategic. But an art dealer, I don't, I don't really see it. But whatever, like I get, but I it's get, an illegal pl- art dealer, so she <laughs> still right. has to shoot people. Yes, I get it. Well, ideally not, right? Right. <laughs> she doesn't. I, well, I she mean, doesn't. she threw down pretty hard in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, hopefully not. One would assume though that all of her deals don't go that way. <laughs> That's she's not true. Make I know a lot she's not exactly helping fug- um, fugitives keep running. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed her in this episode, and it's good to see more of her. I just I'm not 100 percent sold on that development. But what is what do you make of the last scene where she gets in the car and she says, "We have a problem, actually two problems." And what do you what do you think of all that? Because you were mentioning that somewhere on Reddit, there's a well, people are speculating like, yeah. that she's the power broker. But I mean, yeah. people on Reddit, I mean, you you did, you you. Should Throw have seen some of the WandaVision speculation oh, around Lord. about the multiverse and Mephisto mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, right? Oh, Lord. But, uh, I yeah, love I mean, people in their imaginations, yes. She could be the power broker. She could be working for the power broker secretly. I mean, it, it, the pieces fit in this episode in a way that almost seems too convenient. Mm. Like, oh, well, she wasn't in the room for this, and she conveniently killed this person before they were about to reveal this information. Like, it all fits, but when you're given so little information, you can make a lot of different sure. theories fit a limited Absolutely. amount of information. You can't draw, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, but we get we get more information about the whole super soldier thing. So it seems like the U.S. government was able to replicate the super soldier serum specifically somehow. from Isaiah. Well, well, no, the government had to oh, replicate oh, oh, it to oh. give it to Isaiah. I understand. Yes, and then yes. it was then then. But in a lesser it was from degree, his from his blood, mm-hmm. I guess that Hydra was able to yep, get it. That's right. And then this doctor who we meet here, 
um, working for the power broker, was able to replicate 20 doses of it from Isaiah's blood. Even though he got blipped. And they got, well, he started working on it for the, he started working on it from the U.S. Cracked government. The like, code, we got this got one Isaiah blipped, guy. Back, it worked, work. but it yep. worked, but it only worked once. We need you to come in and replicate it. And he worked on it for years, but then he got blipped. And when he came back, I guess they'd moved on <laughs> or he'd been, he'd been. No, no, no. The way he told it, he said he, he they, they, they did it. He did crack the formula, but he wasn't able to uh, create the new formula because that's when he got blipped. So he cracked the code. So when he came back, he understood. But when he came back, why didn't he go back back, to working for the U.S. government, though? Because uh, they no longer, I mean, they probably whatever, but he said that the power broker, he (laughs) said that the power broker was very excited to hire him. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand. That's the, that's the point I was making. She wanted to build an army. Yeah. Well, or he, he, sorry. But that's the point that I was making. Why did the, it seems like that, that's not the kind of thing the U.S. government would lose interest in over the course of five years. Especially with everything mm. that happened, <laughs> like you know the, the world, you know near yeah. apocalypse, half the people What's dead. What's that? Half the world's population invasion. is back. We don't hey, need what about super that scientist anymore. that that disappeared? Yeah. In the lab that seems that like day. poor HR. That's true. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of turnover in government jobs. So they let him go. The power <laughs> broker uh, snaps him up, and he creates twenty doses, and then. Um, Carly, who was who was living in Madri- Madripoor at the time, yeah, making ends meet, somehow steals those doses and gives them to a bunch of her, you know, herself and her rebel her buddies. Friends, yeah. And now they've got their little flag smasher cell, and she seems all sympathetic and sweet, and she wants to be a teacher, and then she, and she, and blows, she blows up the building up and the kills a bunch of people. Yeah. So maybe not so not sweet. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then at the end they go to somewhere in Europe. Where did they go to? Was it like was it? Uh, Riga. Where's Riga? Somewhere. Riga is in Estonia. I think it's they the go capital to Estonia? of Estonia. That doesn't sound right. Anyway, they, they went, went so they went somewhere up in north. Europe. I can't remember. Up north, that's <laughs> planet. Way up, up north. north. <laughs> they went north, um, and they're gonna track down uh, Carly because they have a lead. The name, you know, they one them. It's a yes. lead based on her mother's name, right? They f- yeah, they found her mother. They found her mother. Um, so they're tracking her down there. And uh, they and know she died. And so they're and going Sam, to the same Zemo place. and Sam go into the hotel and Bucky's like, eh, I'm going to walk around. I'll catch up with you guys later. And then we discover that he's basically with his training or, or enhanced senses or whatever has noticed that they're being followed and bugged. Basically, he picks up a couple of these little stone trackers and we're like, those are funny looking things for trackers. They're not stone. They look like metal balls. Well, yeah, but they're yeah. like they're, they're like listening technology. devices. Sure. Well, I understand that they're not balls. Mm-hmm. I understand that there are super advanced technology that just look like metal balls. But we see him picking up. I know. Like, I'm these just saying it's not a like, stone. What the, what the yeah, it's that? just not stone. It's made um, metal. But anyway. And and then we discovered that he's being tried, but he recognized it. Yep. Because he spent, he spent years so in Wakanda. Much, yeah. And then we discovered that it's. I'm not sure the character's name is. It's Ao or something like that. I looked it up, but she was the very first um, member of the sort of all female Wakandan you know, royal guard that yep. we met in Civil War before we even met Okoye in Black Panther. Uh, she was also in Black Panther and she's here following them mm-hmm. and she wants Zemo because Zemo killed their former king. Yes. So now we've got another faction <laughs> represented here. So, and she was credited at the end. So I'm assuming that she's actually going to be a recurring in this. Like we've got like another, of course, another like, main character now, basically. Right. Like oh. as, as important as Sharon was wow. g- to the ongoing story, she is going to be Oh, it's going to be nice. Because, I love the show. Because there's, there's op- reveals the, her. the closing credits ha- were very sparse in the first episode. Yep. And there were lots of shots there of specific iconography or people, but no name associated with them yet because those actors hadn't appeared in the series yet. And then yeah. gradually it's been filling in. So the cast is getting larger and larger as the series goes on as we're continuing to meet important characters uh-huh. who are credited as like main cast. And now we have, you know, in, in yep. this one we had Emily Van Camp and this actress. So now we've got two more. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's going to be a major factor going forward. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Was there another good episode? 
Yeah. I do I, I do I do have to say though that Sam was not necessarily at his best in this one because he's got his yes. it was his phone call from his sister. Come he, he on. covered for it pretty well. Yeah. Although not like super smoothly. Like I feel like I that's exactly what I would have done and it probably would have worked exactly as I well. I think like, I would have hung be, up sooner. Pretend to be yeah, I but if like, that's good, bye. Well, but there's so many so so few things you can do without making the evil lady even more suspicious. Sure. Like if you cut off a conversation, obviously abruptly it would have seemed like you're trying to hide there something there was a breaking point though that's what i'm irritated by just that moment before she goes oh i'm gonna see you see you later sam like but why would you bring your personal phone i know leave it leave it on connected to the evil con- people con- wi-fi connected to the evil pirate country vigilante like dance club wi-fi hitman dance club we wi-fi get it, yeah and then and the and the cell network presumably and not put so it, it on get silent a phone call and not put it on vibrate like I don't understand when you're all meeting the with even... your evil contact yeah, above the turn... evil hitman bar turn it off yeah yeah jeez I yeah that seemed like poor yeah that was really I mean, you, that was that was beyond you got to remember though he's not he's not a spy right he's he was never in shield he was no. never a spy he was a he was a paratrooper. And then he but was he's like, not a stupid man." And no, this was I know really he's not. A, I know. I, I'm. I'm just saying, like, he's not. He's not practiced in the ways of spycraft, right? I suppose. Like, even Captain America worked with Shield as part of like that covert strike squad for a while, where he wore the darker suit and had to be more stealthy, you know. But Sam was a paratrooper. He wore big, bright wings, and then he worked in Veterans Affairs, right? He's not a spy. He's not special forces, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't quite have the same skill set. But still, I feel like anybody. Heck, if you're going to China. Yeah. You know not to bring your normal phone, yeah, right? Because you, you're never yeah. going to be able to nope. touch that phone again. Who knows what they're going to install on it, right? Or what they're <laughs> going to what how they're going to hack it when mm-hmm. you cross the border and they take it from you for five minutes and take it into their back room, right? Yeah. So you go <laughs> you go to this lawless pirate country and you yeah, yeah that's not not a dumb. smart move, no. but but besides that, it was a very good episode. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so if you want to reach out, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about bring, bring. I was going to say, I should make my phone ring. 